Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Should have played this one while Wink was here, man. This is right up his alley. John Grayson here with you as we get into hour number two of the broadcast. John Grayson, and it is just the two of us. Colin Settle standing by, taking your phone calls uh, before you go on the air. How you been? I'm all right, man. You doing all right? You been, you been doing doing any more analysis of your Spotify Wrapped for the year? No. So I like that uh, Spotify does this thing where they have an AI DJ. That's way too many initials. So it's it's a disc jockey DJ. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I got it. It's, <laughs> it's an AI. Yeah. So uh huh. It just picks out songs that you think that it thinks that you would like. Yeah. Its name is X. I'm a fan of him. Does it speak? It does speak. Oh, really? So it'll be like, hey, uh, coming back at you with some new music here from, uh, it, it, yeah. it does the whole DJ Yeah, bit? it does the wow. whole thing. Yeah, it's awesome. And it plays four, five, six songs, and then it switches the topic, and it comes back in and out, and it's it's cool. The 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 Spotify database has turned it into uh, the rap thing, right, which we talked about yesterday, but mm-hmm. now it's just playing all of my top songs from the year and genres and Artists, albums, stuff like that. So Do a little year cool. in review for you. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. nice. You see, I, I actually miss that. Um, it's not that there's not jocks now on music radio, such as it is, but the the role has changed pretty dramatic. This is not what I wanted to go into, but but now that we're here, why not? Uh, the role has changed pretty dramatically over the years because um, when I first started listening to music radio as as a much younger man. Uh, and as a kid, really, I mean, I always had my little transistor radio on me. Uh, I was that geek, <laughs> right? I really have. I have been in love with this industry since I was a little, little kid. And the idea that you could actually make a living doing this was like, really? People get paid? To do- you get paid to to spin records and talk on the radio. Wow. And the funny thing about that is, as long as I've been in radio, I've never done music radio. I've, I've been in talk radio since I was 19 years old. So just the the one job in radio that I always saw myself doing when I was a kid is the only job in radio that I've never done. Yeah, I was always the sports side. And it's right, not right. that it's not that I didn't learn about that sort of stuff cuz I you know, I I went to college. I got a degree like in what I'm doing right now. Yeah. So it's not like I didn't learn how to do that sort of stuff. It's just that not that the music side of things never interested me or the talk side didn't interest me, you know, anything like that. It's just yeah. sports are just kind of where I more aligned myself. 
and that's kind of how I grew into this into this position that I am now. Yeah, and and it's it's like the role of a DJ used to be because now it's all about entertainment. It's all about yeah. having a, a show, which is fine. I mean, there's it's not like I'm saying there's anything wrong with it, but it's about having a show and occasionally there's a record. You know, or a song, I should say, not a record. There haven't been records in radio in a long time. But but um you know, the, you know, it's 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 like they're separated from each other. They don't really have anything to do with each other. When when I started listening, it was much more about, hey, Paul McCartney's got a new song out and it's a, you know becoming a really big hit and you should hear this. The last time I remember somebody doing that was um, oh boy, this has got to be uh, probably mid nineties. And I was coming home. It was a weekend. Uh, I was just driving home from somewhere. And uh, the guy came on and he was like, you know, this new song just dropped and it's by a band I've never heard of before, but it's really connected with me. And the lyrics are fascinating. And it's, it's a it's a great story. And I thought, here's somebody who's actually passionate about what he's doing, about the fact that he's delivering us new music. And I remember the song. It was the song Disneyland by a band called Dada. Terrific piece of music, by the way. If you've never heard it, it's great. But just, I think that's the last time I remember somebody really waxing poetic about a new piece of music that he was happy about delivering. And that's how I always saw the the disc jockeys, the actual disc jockeys, when I was younger, was they were the guys, they were the coolest kids in the room, and they were the ones who got the new music before the rest of us did and got to bring it to all of us and show us what was cool now, you know? And it just... It doesn't seem like that's the job anymore. Do you think times have changed? Do you think we're in a, a, a new or a different era of I, radio? Because I've only known what I've known for the past three, four years that I've been doing this, and you've been doing it a heck of a lot longer than I have. I, thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> no, 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 I, no, but I, I know <laughs> what you're saying. In the most respectful way. Yeah, right. Uh, by the way, you're old. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I know. Um, yeah, I think the answer is yes on two fronts. I think it's a different era for radio, certainly for music radio. Talk radio has evolved some, but, uh, you know, it's still about a conversation, which is what it was always about. Where music radio, like I said, it's about let's put on a show and, and have a couple of laughs and all of this stuff. And every so often we'll just play a piece of music that we don't really have any connection to. But the other thing is, I think the music industry has changed so dramatically yeah. that I don't even know that you can make it make sense to do music radio the way they used to anymore. Uh, the, and because, I mean, the way that you are delivered new music now has nothing to do with radio. Right, it's all it's all streaming. Yeah, so I don't have to listen to the radio. I mean, to, to hear new music. Right, in the same way that network television has had to respond to streaming. Exactly, yeah. and and even the movie industry has had to respond to streaming and all of that. So yeah, it's it's a very different world. Thank you, internet. But the good news about that is, I mean, we still haven't had to. Uh, I mean, as much as I think we evolve as performers, uh, I, I don't think the industry, the talk radio industry, has ch- changed that dramatically. I think the only change that I could point to in the industry overall is what doesn't affect us right here on this radio station and in this building, which is the amount of politics that are in it now. Oh, man. And there's nothing that makes my eyes glaze over faster than listening to that. So, um, yeah, I, 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 this is a... This is a, a a very sort of um, rare bastion 
of that that two-way conversation. By the way, that two-way conversation invites you as well. So if you're listening to this and you want to jump in, please do. 913-586-7798. Do want to let you know a couple of things as we spin back into where we were going is that Coats for Kids is still going on. This is the last week of the 2023 campaign for Coats for Kids, which means we're into the last two days of it. And we've been hitting you hard all week. I know you've heard it, but have you done anything about it? And keep in mind, you have today and tomorrow to make your donations for Coats for Kids. The weather's going to get a little warmer and then go colder again into the weekend. And it's going to be like this. You know we're going to have those snaps where we're going to spend a couple of weeks in really, really cold temperatures. And there are kids who have to get back and forth to school and go outside and play with their friends and all of that without a heavy-duty winter coat to keep them warm through these months. And that's just unacceptable. So our winter campaign for years running now has been to put coats on these kids. We do it with your donations. Donate whatever you can. If it's a dollar, great. If it's $25, that will put a coat on one kid in the Kansas City area. Fantastic. If it's more than that, bless you. Thank you from all of us for that. But whatever you can do, uh, just make your donations at kmbz.com. Go to, go to the website. There's a button there right at the top of the page that says Coats for Kids. It's fast, simple, secure. You can get your donation in, and it won't take any time at all. And we will be thankful for whatever you can give. The other way you can do it is an automatic donation by texting KMBZ Coats all run together to 44321, and you'll get an automatic donation made that way. So whatever you can do for us, please, in these last couple of days, we really want to hit this hard. We're looking forward to tomorrow when our friends from Pinnacle Bank, who have been our longstanding partners in the Coats for Kids effort, will be here to give us a a little update and maybe something special. And it's going to happen on this show tomorrow morning. So make sure you're around the radio for that. Um, And we'll get you updated with everything else that's going on with Coats for Kids. That said, there was a story that caught my eye this morning because, you know, I mean, usually when you and I get together uh, and it's you, me, and Colin, like it is now, when Jamie's off gallivanting around the globe or whatever it is that she's doing uh, for this time period, that uh, I have a fascination with tattoos. I'm not heavily tattooed. I have one. And it's one that I got about 15 years ago. I still love it. I love the fact that it's there. I do not have any regret over a tattoo. Colin, I know I probably asked you this before. Do you have any? No. I've thought about it. Almost did in college. Didn't have the money. I got you. Don't really have the money, so I'm still, you know, I'm thinking about it. (laughs) You know, Christmas is coming, buddy. Maybe we can see about (laughs) taking a trip because I still have to get my second one. But um, yeah, it's it's become that. That's another thing that's evolved dramatically. By the way, when I was a kid, if you had a tattoo, you were you were kind of a bad dude. You know, I mean, look at him; he's got a tattoo. And now secretaries have tattoos. You know, it's like whatever. Uh, Everybody's got it, and it's fine. But this story, it connected with me because this guy, it's one of these viral TikTok videos that people are all, you know, freaking out about. And look, it's his body. It really doesn't bother me what he did. But he decided that for whatever reason, he wanted to have his girlfriend's bite mark tattooed on him. So they went to the tattoo parlor, which, by the way, is famous for using vegan ink. I didn't even know that was a thing. But apparently it is. So they they went to the tattoo parlor and she bit him while they were there. And then the tattoo artist outlined the bite mark and tattooed it on him. So he's now got a permanent tattoo of his girlfriend's 
what, uh, bite radius? <laughs> I don't know what they call that. And like she's a shark, right? But I mean, there were people that were freaking out because, oh, your mouth is not sanitary. And if they tattoo that into you, you can get sick and all of this stuff. I'm sure that they were cautious. Um, and and what most of the negative comments have been about this have to do with, okay, she's your girlfriend. It's not like you're married. And even if you're married, divorce exists, you know? So uh, you're going to have that on you forever. And what are you going to do if the two of you break up and you have to explain to your new girlfriend what the bite mark tattooed on your arm is all about? <laughs> you know, that's not going to be the easiest thing in the world to explain. Um, and it does seem a kind of an odd choice, but then, I mean, people have all, all sorts of weird tattoos. So what I would love to know is not so much, do you have a tattoo that you regret? But if you're one of these people who has a lot of them, do you have that one that you look at as being the mistake? Is is there a tattoo that, you know, it, it's not like you would ever go through the motions of having it removed, which is very, very painful and takes a long time and all of this. And it's not like that, but it's the one that if people meet you, you hope they don't ask about so that you'll have to tell that story about when you did a really dumb thing and got a tattoo on you. That you just look at now and go, oh, man, <laughs> that's the one I shouldn't have done. If you have that, I would love to know what the story is because, I mean, I get it. And, and look, if this guy gets to 40 and looks down at that tattoo and says, why did I do that? Oh, that was the dumbest thing I ever did. Why did I get her to bite me and then have it tattooed on me? Maybe he won't. I mean, maybe it'll be the best story he's ever got. And he'll be able to tell all of his friends about the time he went viral on TikTok because he had his girlfriend bite him and then had it tattooed on his arm. And maybe he'll love it for the rest of his life. But if he does get to that point, you could kind of understand where do you really want to go through getting a tattoo removed? Or are you just going to leave it there and hope nobody notices? Or, you know, maybe get it made into something else. You know, have the, two, have the, have the teeth marks built into teeth and then have some kind of character head built around it or something like that. Phones are ringing. We'll get to you in just a couple. But if you have one that's your tattoo that you just, that it's your least favorite of all of them, I want to know what it is and what the story was behind why you got it in the first place. 913-586-7798. We'll get to you just ahead. John Grayson here with you on 98.1 KMBZ. That's the one. <laughs> 98.1 KMBZ. John Grayson with you. That's Disneyland. Well done, Colin. Uh, 913-586-7798, as always. 913-586-7798. And uh, we're just talking about it, it, this guy who got his girlfriend's bite mark tattooed on him and did a big TikTok video about it, and, and everybody's been commenting. A lot of people talking about, dude, you're going to get, like, sepsis out of that is what you're going to get. But we're just talking about getting a tattoo that if, if you have – a number of them. What's the one that now you look at as your least favorite? If there is one, if you've got one that, that you just kind of go, oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, that was kind of a mistake. 913-586-7798. We'll go to Ashley first, who is in KC today. Hi, Ashley. Hi, guys. Uh, I'm pretty heavily tattooed. I've got uh, tattoos of my boys' names and their birthdays on each of my hips. And it's not that I regret them. It's just that they weren't done very well. The guy used too thick of a mag whenever he did them. So they're kind of running together. So I will get those enhanced. 
that I don't believe in getting tattoos removed. I would say get them enhanced to something that tells your story now. But no matter what, those tattoos are going to tell your story. Yeah. Through I, your life. So. To that end, yeah, my dad's best friend was a guy named Marty Kirkland. And uh, he was the manager at our pizza shop when I was a kid. Um, he had one that he got when he was in the service that was uh, like a standing... Uh, lion, you know, with a crown on it and all of this stuff. It was it was really cool. I I thought it was amazing when I was a kid. I was like, wow, Marty's got a tattoo. How cool! And and he uh, he left it there. He got it when he was like eighteen, and almost immediately regretted getting it. it. Was the only one that he ever got. And it over the years bled, and like you said, kind of wandered a little bit. And he said, I left it there as a reminder. Never to do that again. <laughs> you know, it was like, yeah. why get it removed? Just leave it there, and then you know, if, if you if there was a reason why you didn't want any more, leave that there as a reminder for you. Yeah, and like I've got my my husband, his whole right arm is puzzle pieces. Oh, cool. And and uh, on my right shoulder is two puzzle pieces that are his missing pieces. Oh. So if something ever happened, though, I wouldn't change that because that's still part of my story. Are, are, so are there any, though, are there, are there any, and I love the fact that you, you told it like that because it kind of tells the story of your life, all of your tattoos connected to each other. But is there one that you look at now and go, you know, aside from the ones that you brought up because they're bleeding now, that, that you go, boy, I wish I, I didn't, I wish I didn't have that design. No, no, not really. I Good. mean, I've got a heart. If I put my forearms together, wow, you just ran a stoplight, dude. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, I put my forearms together, it's a heart with music notes. My uh, tattoo artist was taking drum lessons from my husband, and it's all drum music that my husband had written out, and the two put together form a heart. I just, I love all my tattoos. I've been really, really lucky so far. My most recent one is a 15% on the inside of my wrist because only 15% of alcoholics make it to a year sobriety. Oh, good for you I, on both counts. I, um, I always want to remember that. Well so, done. No, I, I, I've been very lucky. Um, I've been very smart about my tattoos. And like I said, all of them tell a story. If you ask me a question about them, it is always a conversation starter. Good deal. Ashley, thanks. Yeah, and, and I love that. That's one of the things that I love about tattoo culture is that even if you're a person like me where you only have one or somebody who has none, if you see somebody that has one that you look at and go, wow, that's really cool. I have to know. They'll tell you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, all you have to do is say, hey, what's what's that tattoo all about? And sit back and wait for the story to start. It's great. And, and she's right. It's a wonderful conversation starter. To Rick in Green Valley, we go next. Hey, Rick. Hey, how you doing, John? All right. What do you got for us? Well, back in the 80s, when we had cell phones, you couldn't call your mom or anything. When I was in the military, I was homesick. And I went to a, a tattoo parlor in the Philippines, and I wanted Mama tattooed on me. Uh-huh. You didn't know how to spell Mama, and I ended up with Momo. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I got, you can have them made into small A's, you know, put a little tail on them or something like that. <laughs> so now how many, people, how many people every week ask you who Momo is? I went to... When I got back to the States, I went to the tattoo parlor in San Diego and uh, got one of the O's turned, you know, covered up with a rose. So okay. It looks like I have a, a, a tasteful tattoo of mom. 
Good. All right. Yeah, that that works. Right. Just turn the final O into something. But (laughs) for a while, it was all about Momo. Oh, Rick, I love it. Thank you. Thanks a lot for getting in. Um, Yeah, that's that's the one thing I guess I was the happiest about. The decision that I was happiest about is that I waited until I was 38 to get mine because, you know, I, I spent all that time being interested in it and thinking, yeah, one of these days I'll go ahead and get one but just could never figure out, okay, what do I want on me that's going to stay on me forever? Somebody just texted this in. I had always wondered about that. Somebody said I got a tattoo of a UPC symbol. (laughs) Does it it ring up? Like if you put that over a scanner, I guess it would depend on where you are, but if you put that over a scanner, does it actually ring up to anything? (laughs) It's an interesting idea. Um, There's, In fact, there's an album um, a Yes album. It came out in the mid-80s uh, called 90125. And the reason the album is called 90125 is because those are the numbers on the bottom of the UPC symbol. I don't know how they knew that beforehand, but uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting one too. And yeah, maybe, I guess if you could figure out what the code is, you could put things in a UPC symbol like your birth date or something like that, you know, you don't want anybody scanning that without your knowledge, and then they'll know what your birth date is, but just some kind of number that means something to you. I I can remember sitting there as a kid trying to figure out, okay, what do the little skinny lines mean, and what do the big thick lines mean? I never got it. I'm sure there's a guide now on, on YouTube that tells you how to figure it out, but I, it's still all Greek to me. We'll take a brief time out. We've got a guest joining us in just a couple of minutes here on the broadcast. Very funny comedian uh, named Leslie Liao, and she was on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon last night. She's got a brand new, uh, not a special, but a series that's on Netflix right now. Uh, that Episode 2 just dropped called Verified Stand-Up that she's a part of, and we'll get into some discussion with her about all of that coming up just ahead John Grayson here with you on 98.1 KMBZ. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You know, back then I wanted, to, I wanted you to talk about me. Now I want to hear about you. Like whisper naughty things in my ear. Like how many games did your dad miss? Ooh, ooh, the entire season? How does it make you feel? <laughs> that is the voice of our next guest here on the broadcast as uh, part of a set that she did on The Tonight Show. And uh, she's now part of the uh, the Netflix series Verified Stand-Up. Leslie Liao, welcome to the program. Hello, it's me. It, it is. <laughs> with, with that voice of a sorcerer. <laughs> the sorcerer voice, is li- which I've also been told. 
I have a radio voice. Can you guys confirm? Oh, absolutely. I mean, oh, thank you. you know I, what? I love the validation. I, I guess if you had if you had the opportunity to do that, what kind of what kind of show would you have? Like, what music would you be featuring on your show? Okay, the problem is, and this is bad for radio branding. I <laughs> yeah. love so many genres. It would be a mashup of like, like heavy metal, like Rage Against the Machine, Boys to Men, Celine Dion. <laughs> you know, like it doesn't make any sense. It would just, you know, so it would it would make no sense. So it would just be uh, a circus yeah. of genres. Well, see, and it's really funny because you've got that uh, that sort of almost that late night radio voice, like "Hi, welcome to the program." Yeah, and, like and night radio, right? And that voice leading into Rage Against the Machine. I want to hear that show. <laughs> I desperately want to hear that show happen. Um, tell At us night before bed. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's a perfect thing to put you to sleep, right? Um, yeah. yeah, especially the song about Mumia Abu Jamal. I think that's the one you ought to kick off with. Now. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we've got a lot to talk about, and I want to go right into the Netflix series Verified Stand Up because we've seen so many hour long or ninety minute long specials featuring a comedian that you know I can remember this. This takes me back to watching like the Young Comedian specials on Showtime back in the eighties. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's a very old school way to do it, and yet it comes off as so new because it hasn't been done in so long. Explain to folks who haven't seen it yet why we need to catch on to this. Yeah, it's a um, it's a technically a special on Netflix, but instead of being one hour of one comic, it's ten comics doing ten minute sets. So I don't know if you all go to comedy shows, but it's like it basically replicates a night out at a comedy club. You go out, you see a ton of good comics. They're all doing a short set one after another, um, and the lineup is really good. It's very like fresh and diverse and different, and um, like the line the lineup was so good. Like I. I stayed all night that night just watching every comic because it's like I, seeing them all bring their best sets that they have was amazing. Yeah. But um, and it does feel old school. Like I grew up on those like half hour Comedy Central stuff. And it, it's cool because you you might not know every comic like there's 10 of us. So if you want to discover a cool new person that you'll be obsessed with and they're all like headliners and tour everywhere, it's just like. Like, why not see a new comic and have them be your new favorite? Oh, no doubt. And not only that, and I think you kind of edged into this as well, the fact that it not only is it names you might not know yet, you probably will, you know, soon, um, but it's also not, you know, 10 sets of 10 different white guys, you know? I, I, look, I, yeah, I, I love... I almost called the special, by the way. That was the <laughs> alternate title. <laughs> but, but, I mean, there's for a long time, that was what dominated. And, you know, look, as much as I love, Guys like Patton Oswalt is probably my favorite comic oh, working yeah. right now. Oh, yeah. He's absolutely brilliant. But it's it's great to hear so many different voices and so many different perspectives because it gives you it gives you more to laugh at, I guess. Yeah, and it's just like I I, I have to admit, you know, I'm a '90s kid. I was very influenced by many white male comics. Like yeah. that's what I was grew up on, and I love them. Um, but I at the honest is like I'm I'm an Asian female. I I loved hearing angry white men complain about marriage and kids. Like it, <laughs> for whatever reason, you know, little Leslie, you know, doing her homework was losing it to Jim Gaffigan and Mitch Hedberg and Chris Rock. Like I, and so I think it just proves that like you can still quote unquote relate to just a different perspective. Like, um, 
so yeah, I, I, I agree. Like the lineup is so good. It's different. Yeah. There's something for everyone. Now, I also have to ask because, you know, just last night as we were getting ready, getting ready to retire for the evening, don't you know, uh, mm-hmm. Colbert's off this week because his appendix exploded or something. So we're sitting there and flipping around and, and, and got over to Fallon and he's like, and, Luce, and Leslie Liao. And I was like, whoa, whoa, oh, whoa, yeah. whoa, what? <laughs> All right. So, so take us backstage at The Tonight Show. It was the best day of my life. Like I, I haven't had a wedding day, but it felt like your wedding day. We're like, there's all these little details I'm imagining of your wedding day that no one prepares you for. Mm-hmm. So like seeing my name on the marquee of the dressing room, hearing wow. Jimmy say my name, yeah. just hearing him say my name. Um, he comes back to meet you. It's an d- adorable moment. Um, just having like, the, you know, putting on my outfit for the first time and the entire crew being like, yes, that's the outfit. Um, being backstage, like, uh, I forgot, the Roots is the band for The Tonight Show. Yeah. I have never had The Roots play music for me before I did stand-up. No right. one told me that was going to happen. So I'm backstage, like, so psyched, just getting very excited. The Roots are playing, and I can, like, see them through the curtain. And I'm like, couldn't be happier. <laughs> like that's, And, like, the moment they hand you the microphone, I felt like it was Thor's hammer. Like they gave me my weapon and I literally lightning struck. Like it was the best moment, like right before going out there. It was the best. I, 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 I would do it every day if they would. I'm sure they would love that for their programming. Um, but yeah, right. I would do if they let me like every night. It was so awesome. Well, you know, I, and I love the the Thor's hammer comparison there as well because I would imagine that not only does it feel like you know you're you're almost wielding that thing as your weapon, but it's also got to be an incredibly heavy thing to do. I mean, you do a job long enough, and and you go out in front of enough live audiences, uh, and you know, I mean, there was a time when doing this was you know nerve wracking before a show, but mm-hmm. when it's the Tonight Show, I mean. There, there's got to be that moment where you're, you're hearing all of that go on and it almost feels like you're weightless for a minute. You know, you, f- you can feel the blood all draining to your legs. It's like, oh, I, I'm actually yeah, doing this. Yeah, out of this. body, 100%. Yeah. Wow. And, and so how did you talk yourself back into, okay, this is another set. I'm going to go out and do my job. You, I kind of love this question. I, I have so many sports analogies with stand-up. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and I, and I don't follow any team. I gen, I love sport, the weird, I love sports, but I don't follow one team, but it's like, if you're playing, you know, game seven, you know, finals and you're a pro athlete there, the reason you're there is because you did so many, you've done so many, done so many games. I don't even know how to talk right. about it. You've played so many games. You've, you've made, you've shot that shot a thousand times. You know, you can do it. This happens to have high stakes, but you know, you can do it. So it's like, I truly was so happy I wasn't nervous that night because I've done so many sets. It's just another set. Yeah. I know my joke. I wrote it. I know it. That's it's my life. I. So it's like, I. you just make sure you're ready for a moment like that. And I think it's just a sports analogy. Like there's the championship game. There's the, the throw that matters. But like, if you did it enough where it's just in your body, you're hopefully not going to be nervous. 
Yeah, my dad always said to me, you know, when I would say, man, I feel so lucky. And he would say, yeah, luck is a combination of preparation and opportunity. That's, there, yeah. there is no luck. You, you just, totally. you, you did the groundwork. You may not feel like you did, but you did. And, and we were just talking about this industry changing. Um, comedy has too, pretty dramatically. And I know our afternoon show, they were talking yesterday a little bit about Matt Reif and the controversy that he finds himself in now. And, mm. and I wonder... I mean, I'm not going to ask you about him. You're not his <laughs> spokesperson. But I wonder I wonder if you feel some of that as well, that, that when you're writing, is is there – does comedy seem to, to you to be more careful now than it was in years past? It definitely does, like just what I'm observing with other comics. But my – like my style is like I I only want to write about what I know. Mm-hmm. And I'm I am an expert on nothing. Truly, I would I wouldn't even be allowed a Jeopardy. No way. Right. I can't answer any question. I I'm I am an expert on nothing. I know a little bit about everything, but not enough to do an hour set. So my rule is like I just want to talk about what I really really know and I feel like an expert on. And all I'm an expert on is like my own experience of dating in LA, of growing up with immigrant parents, of like being single of being an auntie like that's all I can say I know the most out of this than anyone else so it's like that's what I write about and so I I'm not a very you know controversial political I don't try to like push the envelope you'll never you'll likely never see me doing that I I love comics that can pull that off but um I that's just kind of my style so I I feel safe in that writing style but I do think that like it's definitely different now there's definitely like a can I get away with saying this kind of energy with comics now? Definitely, yeah. And and I know, I mean, one of the things that came out from watching Verified Stand Up, to me, one of the things that kind of caught my eye through the first three or four comics that were on um, was that a lot of that safety comes from self-deprecating humor. There's a lot of that, of making fun yeah. of me because it's safe to make fun of me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, it, it seems that – and you didn't delve that much into that territory. What came up, though, some was, as you mentioned before, you're Asian-American. I mean, that's something that is – it's not unique to you, but it's part of mm-hmm. your experience. And so, you know, again, you can talk about that and make it funny, make it relatably funny to somebody who isn't and who doesn't share that experience with you. Yeah, totally. I think it's easy to be self-deprecating. It's, it's an easy way to go, and, like, a lot of comics do do it really well. Um, but it's hard. I mean, cause also things are different. I'm a woman in my thirties who like loves myself. So how do I be funny? You know, like, how do I, right. now what do I do? How do I be funny there? Like it's, it's, it's so different now and weird, but, um, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have all my stuff being self-deprecating. Yeah. You yeah. know? Well, yeah. And it's funny, too, because, you know, we have this image of the, you know, the comic always having some kind of, you know, like it's, it's the, the crying clown, right? That you can't be well-adjusted and still be funny. It's like you're, the only, you're the only comic I think I've ever talked to who confessed to being well-adjusted. It's weird to say that, but it feels <laughs> like that, you know? It's weird because a lot of comics, people think a lot of comics have like, you know, hard lives and childhoods and trauma, which yeah. like can be true about a lot of people in any profession. I, for whatever reason, I love my family. I had a considering all things loved where I grew up and how I grew up. Um, I'm lucky. I'm happy. I am very tired, but <laughs> who knows? Maybe there's trauma ahead of me. Maybe there's trauma ahead of me that I have to look forward to that I could write about <laughs> later. 
Um, yes. Please, can, can some adversity happen to me, please, sooner? I know. Every, every time I, if I get in like a tiny car wreck, I'm like, ooh, ooh, this is good, this is good. I like yep. immediately write it down. But, you know, comedy comes from everywhere. But I, um, yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, you know, the the show is there for you, available on Netflix now. Again, it's called Verified Stand Up. And your uh, your debut set, uh, Fixing Straight Men, is that still up on YouTube? Can we send people there for that? Yeah, that is, I believe, my Don't Tell Comedy set. It's an amazing, like, production company that puts out all these live shorter sets. So that's on YouTube. Outstanding. And, uh, somewhere on the Internet. And where else do we follow you? I'm everywhere. All those little, you know, the TikTok, the Facebooks. LinkedIn, um, Instagram, what else is there? There's probably a new cool one that I don't even know about. Um, <laughs> YouTube. Just if you go to the internet and search my name, I'm somewhere. It is L I A O. Leslie Liao, a verified stand up again on Netflix. Catch it. You're going to find so many great comics that are part of this thing that you're going to want to keep following, including our guest, Leslie Liao. Leslie, thank you so much for joining us. Really great talking thank to you. Thank you so much. You got thank it. you so much. Take Have care. a lovely day. You do the okay. same. There's plenty more to come, and I hope some adversity eventually befalls you, <laughs> but not too much. John Grayson here with you. We'll take a brief time out on that, get back to your phone calls just ahead as we continue on through a Wednesday coming up on noon in just a little while on 98.1 KMBZ. <laughs> You're going to get us in trouble one of these days, Colin. John Grayson here with you, hanging in on a Thursday. Not a way. How many times today have I said it was Wednesday? I think it was just the one before was, we went to break. It just... At least that's the one that I heard. The one that I caught. Okay, I never know. I mean, from day to day, it's like that Chicago song. Does anybody really know what time it is? Dude, I, I'm lucky if I know what day it is. I write it on the sheet every day. Oh, I know. It's there. It's in front of me. It's it's probably in front of me in ten different places. In fact, right directly in front of me, the computer that I don't use is on screensaver, and it's got 11:51 Thursday, November 30th. Right there. I mean, literally, like, eye line right in front of me, two feet away. So, no, I'm just that dumb. Now, a uh, couple of things before we hit the top of the hour. Yet another article has come out, this this time by NPR, that came originally from KQED. Oh, that's cute. Because <laughs> it's NPR, you see. Anyway, uh, yeah, an NPR article about cold medicine. And as we're getting into that time of year, I have, uh, this is no lie, in my little bag here, my Sudafed. I just had to re-up my Sudafed stash so that I could get through the show today. And uh, the, yeah, this week has been rough. I don't know why exactly. I don't know what's blooming or if it's mold or whatever's in the air that, that attacks me and makes it completely impossible for me to breathe. Is it this cold front? It could be. The rain I, last weekend. Yeah, maybe. There was snow in Manhattan. But man, it's got a little colder this oh, week. Oh, yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's right. The entire Northeast just got waxed. Mm-hmm. So whatever it is, it's it's just I've been... And Sudafed is the only thing that does anything for me. So this article really connected with me. It's about the, the fact that most cough medicine, or not cough medicine specifically, but most cold remedies that are out there on the store shelves, they're garbage. They don't do anything. And when they moved, because of, this is the one reason I will always hate meth cooks. Well, one of many reasons why I will always hate meth cooks is uh, they screwed up Sudafed. It used to be you could walk in and there on the shelf in front of you at Walgreens was a big like 500 count bottle of Sudafed. And if you wanted that, you just go in and you didn't have to show ID, you didn't have to show anything. You put it on the counter and you pay him the five bucks and you leave. And that was the other thing. It was really cheap, too. 
So that was great. But now not only have they taken that and put it, put it behind the counter where you have to pull your license out and prove you're not going to cook meth with it, um, they replaced it in all of the stuff that is out on the shelves with, uh, what is it? Uh, oh, man, what is it they're using now? Uh, it's not pseudoephedrine anymore. It's, um, I can't remember. But whatever it is, it's garbage. It doesn't work. It doesn't do anything. So uh, this entire article is about the fact that most of the stuff that's, you can't cure it, right? There's no cure yet for the cold. But even the treatments themselves are mostly bunk. That they don't make your cough go away any faster. I know that there are people who swear by the whatever the active ingredient is in Mucinex, Golfenison, I think is how you say it. And that stuff, I don't know what it is. It tastes horrible. Even the stuff they put it in tastes horrible. And it doesn't matter which one. If it's their version of it, if it's a Mucinex version, the NyQuil version, the generic, whatever it is, they all have this weird, salty blech, taste to them. I can't stand it. And, and yet I know people who swear by it. It does nothing. For me, nothing at all. They're like, oh, yeah, it'll break up all the stuff in your chest and you'll be able to get all that out of there and you won't cough as much. No, no, sorry, nothing. And, um, and and the science seems to back that up. They talked to a Lauren Eggert, who's a clinical assistant professor in the Pulmonary Allergy and Critical Care Division at Stanford University. <gasps> and she said most things out there, antihistamines, decongestants, cough medicines, none of them have a lot of, has, should say, a lot of evidence that they're super effective, it's super effective, at improving cough or common cold symptoms. Nothing. So just like taking vitamins, for the most part, we're out there just throwing money down the toilet for something that doesn't do anybody any good. And it just seems, I mean, I, I know that it's not anything that's going to kill us, but it's the worst thing we have to go through every stinking year. Very few of us get through an entire year unscathed by some kind of rhinovirus or some other cold-causing virus that isn't going to kill you, but it's going to make you wish you were dead for about three days. Should should we not have? Is nobody working on this? I mean, it, it's become a cliche. It's in the same camp with, it's the best thing since sliced bread. When they say, well, you know, there's still no cure for the common cold. Is anybody even working on one? Or is it tough to get a grant for something that doesn't kill anybody? <laughs> you know, so so science is working on cancer, which they still haven't cured, and, uh, and all these different diseases, and yet we're just leaving the cold alone and go out and waste your money on a bunch of stuff that doesn't do any good. We seem to, it should be better than this. We should be better than this. We'll do some more kvetching after the top of the hour. Stay with us on 98.1 KMBZ. John Grayson with you. Sharing a Thursday. More to come. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.